stories. So welcome to another episode of Beyond Queer Stories. Today is our guest, Ryan. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So I'm going to give you all a brief bio about Ryan. Um, He grew up in the suburbs of San Francisco and moved to Los Angeles to study film and production. Then he moved to Chicago about two years ago after graduating to experience a change of pace from L.A. and pursue a career in comedy and writing. Ryan is the second oldest of five children in a large, stereotypical Irish Catholic family, and he's been performing since a very young age, but has found his stride in comedic storytelling, sketch, comedy, and event hosting since moving to Chicago. He's currently in the early stages of writing a one-man storytelling show focusing on different moments on his life, hosts two entertainment-based podcasts on an LA-based media network, and has recently started hosting a weekly bingo Sunday at the restaurant that he works at. He's an avid soul cyclist who enjoys a big glass of wine. He also enjoys reading about and discussing serial killers and going to the movies with his boyfriend. Thank you. That's me. (laughs) So cute. (laughs) So um, I just have a question just to start. So what identities do you feel most influence your experiences in life? My identities? um, I would say I identify as like a performer and an entertainer, and I always was very loud, I guess, and outspoken, and kind of like the class clown, and I like to be the center of attention. (laughs) So I would say I had like the innate um, personality trait of like being a performer and just wanting to make people laugh and have fun. So that's um, been a main thing that's gotten me to where I am today. With like studying at school, I wanted to study film production because I had this whole grand scheme to like be a movie director or something. <laughs> and um, I quickly learned that that was not the path for me. But um, yeah, I think wanting to um, entertain people is what led me to like Chicago specifically. I took it a chance basically by moving to Chicago to really like focus on a writing and entertaining career and kind of I knew that was always what I really wanted to do deep down was to, you know, make a living off of performing and just like making people happy. So I moved here to do that and it's been really great. And yeah, I think without that like innate need to um like kind of be on stage, I wouldn't like be where I am today. So it's a good thing. <laughs> I have a quick question. Yeah. So, um, in your bio, you mentioned that you do, like, all these funky things. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you mentioned bingo. Yes. I want to know more about your bingo adventure and where you work. Okay, so Not gonna it's, stalk you, it's actually, like, pretty <laughs> pretty new. Mm-hmm. Um, I work at a place in Chicago called Happy, Happy Camper. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a pizza place, bar, um, very, like, young, trendy, you know, mm-hmm. all the, like, frat boys who like are still living their frat frat dreams like come here (laughs) um but it's a really fun place to work i really like it i just started working there as a server um over the summer Mm -hmm. and yeah so they do every sunday they do this thing and they called it fucking bingo and its (laughs) tagline is it's not your grandma's bingo so it's like you win prizes and you spin the wheel and you take fireball shots like Mm -hmm. it's kind of rowdy it gets very rowdy there's a dj like it's kind of crazy so uh, they have usually like four different guests who rotate to host it and one day i was working as a server and the table that one of my tables that i was serving was really fun they were getting really drunk and i was having a good time with them and 
blah 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 and they kept being like ah the guy hosting is so boring you should do you should be up there doing that like you're way more fun like that guy sucks like blah 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 and i was like oh lol like yeah so they ended up hosting on Yelp, like three different Yelp reviews about me doing bingo, went oh, up to wow. my manager and were like, he should be doing bingo. And like my managers, you know, they know that I'm like a comedian and a, a performer and stuff in the city. And so they like, I kept kind of bugging them too. I was like, well, they said they want me to do it. You should have me do it. Like mm-hmm. kind of as a joke. And then just like about a month ago, they had me host it for the first time. And I've done it like almost every week since, um, which has been really fun. I did the Halloween-themed bingo. So they had me dress up as Beetlejuice. I looked absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's just really fun. I basically get to, like, yell at people for an hour and a half mm-hmm. and give them free drinks. And, I don't know, my, I'm very sarcastic and sassy and kind of an asshole when I'm doing, like, comedy stuff. Yeah. So I just make fun of people, like, all the drunk the drunker they get, the easier they are to make fun of. So, but yeah, <laughs> but people love it. They like know that it's coming out of a place of love and respect. I'm not actually trying to be mean to them. So people actually have grown to enjoy getting roasted by me in front of hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. So they really like that, but it's a really fun time. And then people who have come to bingo have reached out to me about hosting bingo at their like company events or oh, they're wow. like, there's one company that does like, a lunchtime activity every week and they want me to come do bingo for their lunchtime activity next month. So like it's kind of turning into like a weird side hustle. You never know yeah. what path something's going to take you now. Right. You take I was those like, opportunities and <laughs> I guess awesome. I'm like a part-time bingo host now. Didn't see that in my future, but it on your here I am. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's fun. Yeah. If you guys ever want to come on, uh, sun- it's Sundays at 1.30, so it's like a day drinking like moment. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's so aggressive. by the night, they're really feeling mm-hmm. it. It's over around like 3.30. I usually drink during it too, so I'm like my Sunday and Monday usually is gone to shit after I do it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah. yeah. You guys should come. I'll invite you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love it. So do you have any like memorable incidents that happened during one of the bingo nights that really stands out for you? Oh my gosh. There was a moment when I was doing the Beetlejuice, I was dressed up as Beetlejuice. And this is probably like an, at least an hour into bingo. It's usually about two hours long. And I had been drinking because I was nervous because it was my first, Halloween was the first time I did it. So I was like kind of getting drunker than I should have been. And it was very crowded. There was like a ton of people. All the tables were full. The bar, everyone was just standing around, just a lot of people. And all of a sudden I see another guy walk in dressed as Beetlejuice. Because there was, you know, people dressed up as Halloween weekend. <laughs> and he walks in. Within 15 seconds of him walking in, I noticed him. And I stopped everything. And I go, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> I made him get up in front of everyone up on, like, the stage with me. And I made everyone do a Who Wore It Better. <laughs> but I was like, okay, you guys. I'm going to do, like, a Who Wore It Better. Just remember who's been giving you free shots, who's been giving away prizes, <laughs> and who's been entertaining you for the past hour and a half, and then vote wisely. <laughs> so I literally like made everyone cheer for me and like boo him. <laughs> and I felt so awful because he had just walked into this bar. He had no idea what was going on, no idea like what bingo is. And I just like publicly shamed him in front of everyone. But I did a shot with him afterwards, and we talked, and I was like, I'm so sorry. And he was like, that was... He's like, I honestly still don't really know what happened. <laughs> I just was pulled up in front of people and like kind of went with it. And I was like, you're such a good sport. And it was so fun. And people who have come back since like will come up to me and be like, when you 
did that Beetlejuice thing, I was like crying of laughter. Oh, and I was awesome. like, okay, good. I hope people didn't think I was being a huge dick to everyone. <laughs> so that was like a really fun moment. <laughs> Has anybody ever taken you seriously and like got upset with you? I don't think so. There was this one girl who I kind of kept making fun of. She was wearing like her beanie and like her scarf inside. And I was like, it's not that cold. <laughs> so I kept like making fun of her. And then she, um, Ended up winning a blanket. Oh, <laughs> she won like um, a mermaid blanket or whatever uh-huh. as her bingo prize when she won. So I was like, oh my God, perfect. Like, Taylor, <laughs> you're never going to be cold again. Like, all this stuff. <laughs> and then the person after her won like the grand prize, which is like a 50 inch flat screen TV. Oh, wow. And we so, do need to come to Yeah, the- you yeah, definitely absolutely. need to come. <laughs> Someone wins it almost every time, too. And my manager's like, oh, I hate when they win it because it means we have to go buy a new one for next week. <laughs> but um, yeah, and so the person won right after her. And so I turned around and I was like, hey, Taylor, how's your blanket feel now that you just lost the TV or whatever? And was making fun of her. And she like kind of was, I could tell, I was like, I don't know if she's like, thinks this is funny or if she's (laughs) like, is really salty. (laughs) But I think she was fine. She came back the next week when I hosted again. So I don't think she hated it too much because she did come back. So shout out to Taylor. Thanks for the support. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I try to keep it pretty like, you know, they, they know I'm not totally trying to be mean to them because they're all nice people they're just drunk and wild (laughs) yeah so do you want to start telling us your story yes okay so i wrote this little ditty and i wrote it a little while ago probably maybe like six or so months ago over the summer i was originally going to submit it to um storytelling like night contest thing but I got too scared so I didn't do it (laughs) but um I wrote it I really like it it's kind of like my version of coming out I guess Mm -hmm. and how that all came to be and I really liked writing it because it kind of helped me not deal with it but I don't know it, it helped me through some of like the issues that I maybe hadn't like faced yet um with the whole process so it was a really good like experience writing it, and it's fun. So this is the first time I'm ever telling it to anyone. So y'all are lucky. It's a premiere, <laughs> world premiere. Uh, yeah, so hopefully you guys enjoy it. My plan for one chilly night in early March, my junior year of college. Take 15 milligrams of extended release Adderall around 6 p.m. with my best friend Nicole. Write a 10-page paper analyzing the career of my favorite online personality. Fall soundly asleep by midnight, maybe one. Wake up at 10 a.m. for my lifeguard shift at the campus rec center. Get lunch with my then-girlfriend at the dining hall. Turn in aforementioned paper. Go back to sleep. What actually happened one chilly night in early March my junior year of college? Took 15 grams of extended release Adderall around 6 p.m. with my best friend Nicole. Passionately gabbed about life for three hours with my best friend Nicole. Wrote a 10 page paper analyzing the career of my favorite online personality in less than two hours. Made fully awake, cracked out on Adderall until five, maybe six. Officially and finally came out to myself. Woke up at 10 a.m. for my lifeguard shift at the re- campus rec center in which I sat on the lifeguard stand nine feet above ground waiting in my realization. Got lunch with my then girlfriend at the dining hall. Turned an aforementioned paper. Went back to sleep. I had just turned 21 and I finally felt free. I mean, I still had to break up with and come out to my girlfriend, tell all my friends and family something I'm sure they already suspected, and learn how to talk to, flirt with, and make out with boys. (laughs) But at least I was finally free to do it. As it is with most young but not that young closeted gay men, this moment was a long time coming. 
did I expect it to happen whilst laying in bed, tweaking out on a drug that some people needed for medical reasons, others took to party all night long, and that I didn't need to write papers, but sometimes took to write papers? No. No, I didn't. But was it extremely gay of me to have it happen that way? Yes. Yes, it was. The conversation I had with myself while laying in bed that night was not a new one. I had told myself many, many times before, Ryan, you are gay. You like men. You don't choose the 6 a.m. lifeguarding shift during the men's water polo team practice because you envy their six-packs. Stop lying to yourself. But this time, because Adderall, I was overly focused on these words. I was determined to make a change and allow myself to finally, finally embrace my truth and live the life I knew I wanted. I remember very clearly saying to myself, don't you dare wake up tomorrow and pretend to forget this. It's now or never, bitch. And so I fell asleep for the first time ever an openly gay man. I guess? Did it count if I hadn't said it out loud yet or told anyone other than my own brain? When I woke up, I felt mostly tired and hazy from, you know, Adderall, but I also felt changed. I felt different. I felt like I was floating on air with a huge weight lifted off of my shoulders. I expected everything to be so different, like now that I accepted my sexuality and felt that it was different, that everything would be different. But it wasn't. I went to work and sat on a very large chair for four hours, and the hot boys with six-packs and speedos didn't even look at me. Like, hello, I know at least two of you are playing this sport for reasons other than being good at it. Like, what was the point of coming out to myself if people were just going to act like I was the same Ryan that ate out his girlfriend two nights prior? Oh, right. <laughs> that little thing called my girlfriend. Well, we never really labeled it, to be fair. She was one of my best friends in high school who eventually transferred to my college the beginning of our junior year. But I was studying abroad in Germany that semester, so we would kind of drunkenly flirt via text from different time zones. And then when I went back home over Christmas break, we drunkenly made out and I touched her boobs a little. And then I guess we were dating for three months and then I was gay. So yeah, my girlfriend. I think the thing that I was most afraid of in terms of talking to her was the inevitable feeling she would have that I used her to help me come to terms with my sexuality, which I would go on to tell her many, many times over the next year was never the case. She was one of my best friends. She was my person. I trusted her in a way that I had never trusted anyone before, and I felt comfortable being vulnerable and open and naked in every way. We liked all the same music, thought all the same things were hilarious, and told each other everything. Well, mostly everything. I never told her that the reason I couldn't keep it up was because I kept losing the images of shirtless Zac Efron and Shawn Mendes painted in my head, not because I was just nervous. I never told her that going to the Miley Cyrus and Sam Smith concerts together were less of a chore and more of a necessity for my gay little soul, though that should have been pretty clear by my obnoxious screeching of every lyric to every song. And I knew she would feel like my coming out discounted everything we had, but I refused to believe that that's how human connections work. Sure, at the, den at the end of the day, I was never sexually attracted to her, but I obviously had no grasp on what I was sexually attracted to anyway. What we had was special and real and important, and I would spend the rest of the year trying to convince her of that. I don't know if she ever really believed me or if I even tried hard enough to prove it, but maybe our relationship wasn't supposed to be everlasting anyway, though we pretended it was going to be for a little while too long. She wasn't the first person I told either. My then best friend slash roommate, but now boyfriend of a year and a half, Dallas, was the first person I told. Yeah, it's been a journey, y'all. A few days after my Adderall-induced epiphany, Dallas and I went out to dinner. I think I spoke approximately 10 words over the course of the hour, which is rare for me, but exciting for Dallas as he got to talk about himself uninterrupted, which I'm sure he loved. He knew something was up, but also knew not to ask what. 
I wanted to say something, but I didn't know what to say or how to say it. When we finally got home, we went to our separate rooms for about 45 seconds before I slid down the stairs, rolled into his room while he folded laundry and just laid on the ground, face down, silent. I couldn't speak. I didn't know what to say, how to act. I laid there, flat on the ground, arms by my side, face down on his fluffy brown shag carpet, a silent little caterpillar about to metamorphosize into a gay little butterfly for the world to awe over. A minute or two or five or thirty, I'm not sure, but it felt like forever goes by before Dallas casually questions, everything good? Oh my god, I'm about to come out publicly, verbally, out loud for the first time ever. It's official. I'm about to be officially an out and proud gay man with a girlfriend. So, you know how, like, I've tried to have sex with girls and, like, it can't? I muttered into the ground. Dallas continues to fold his linens. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's because I'm nervous. I roll over onto my back, flat on the ground with my arms over my forehead, looking straight up at the ceiling, because how could I look anywhere else? Did I just come out? Wait, wait, never mind, I take it back. Joke's on you, Dallas. Joke's on you, world. It is just because I'm nervous. I love staring at the men's water polo team because I want a six-pack and they're just my inspiration. Miley Cyrus just has catchy songs. Sam Smith's lyrics are universal, and I dare you to find one straight guy who doesn't agree that Zac Efron is an extremely attractive human. I'm not gay because being gay is bad. Being gay was what all the middle school bullies would call me before throwing open Taco Bell hot sauce packets at me in front of all their friends, then walk away laughing. Being gay was why that one guy in high school made a fake Facebook profile and posted on my wall, watch out, faggot, I'll burn your house down, for the whole school to see. Being gay couldn't be fun or normal or good or me, because if it was, then why did it cause me so much pain and anguish and hurt and discomfort my whole life? I can't be gay because then everyone would would have been right the whole time, and then I look stupid for taking so long to accept it. So no. Sorry, world, you don't get to write my story for me. I get to write it myself. And this next chapter involves me finally coming out. Yeah, 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 I'm still going to do it, but mostly because I can't go back on my Adderall promises. So why do you think it is then? Oh, right. Dallas is still sitting next to me, having moved on from linens to t-shirts. Um, I think you know why, but don't make me say it yet. Just know what I mean. Fair enough. Thank you for sharing that. That was so great. I loved it. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. I've never read it out loud to people, so I was a little nervous. But <laughs> What was it like to read it out loud? It was fun. I mean, I've practiced it to myself, obviously. Um, but I don't know. It felt fun. I feel like I was getting a little more into it, knowing that you guys were like here, like listening. Um, but it felt good. I Yeah, like I said, I wrote that a while ago, and I've been like sitting on it. And... When I saw you guys were doing this podcast, I felt like it was a good way to like get it out there. So thanks for like giving me the platform for that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, thanks. So you came out to your now boyfriend. You came out to your then girlfriend. <laughs> um, like when you came out to your family, like how was that? Um, it was really great. I mean, I was so anxious to come out to them for no reason. Um, I think it's just comes with the territory of like knowing that you're putting it out there to like your family who's like the closest people you have who know you the best um and like i never ever thought that like my parents or my siblings would like be weird about it or treat me differently or like you know have anything but support but i just i don't know i, I was nervous i have 
some friends who have not had like the same support that I have. So knowing that it is possible, you just always have that in the back of your mind. Um, so I was nervous. I, I decided to tell them when I went home for Easter. Um, we had like an Easter break or whatever in school. So we were home and it was, I had the day of just like me and my parents um, together hanging out. And so I grew up like 40 minutes outside of San Francisco. So my parents and I went and spent the day in San Francisco and we like rented bikes and, or we brought our bikes, I guess. And like just rode around the city and we stopped at like some breweries and, you know, had like a whole day. And I was like amping myself up to like, just tell them and have it just be super casual and just like, whatever. And I couldn't do it. I don't know what was like wrong with me. I was just like freaking out. And you were in one of the most gay cities in the country. Literally the gayest city ever. <laughs> so like, what? I could have just brought them to the Castro and been like, this is me. Right. Like, yeah. Let's go to a gay bar. So clues everywhere. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. I don't know why I was so stressed, but I didn't do it. And then we drove home. It took like 40 minutes and I was like sitting in the car, like just talk to them. Like we're in the same car. It's fine. Didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And then that night I was leaving back for school the next morning. So I was like, I have to do it because I didn't want to call them over the phone or something I was like I want to talk to them in person and yeah that night I was watching a movie with them and like I just like was like sitting there like so anxious and finally I just like stood up and like closed the door to like their bedroom because we were like laying in their bed and I was like I need to talk to you guys about something and I like instantly just burst into tears and they were like what's wrong and I told them I was like I'm gay and they were like why are you crying (laughs) stop crying (laughs) um and I was like, I don't know why I'm crying. I'm just like so anxious right now. So um, yeah, and it was fine. And like they talked about, you know, they wanted to talk about it and how long have I known and who, like blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. So super supportive. And I feel like it was a learning process for them too, like dealing with, because I have, you know, four siblings and the second of five. So like they have all these different kids with different personalities and like it wasn't a surprise to them I don't think <laughs> I grew up doing musical theater and like was obsessed with Pocahontas and I was Pocahontas for Halloween once as a kid so like <laughs> I played with Barbies like it wasn't that like big of a surprise but mm-hmm. um I think they like learned a lot about it I, for all I know I don't think they have any like really close gay friends and um it's been I think good for them too. Yeah. They'll ask me like questions about like stuff. I've like introduced them to RuPaul's Drag Race and like <laughs> all that type of stuff. So um, yeah, it's been really good. I don't know why I was so stressed that day. <laughs> was it hard at all? Because I know um, I mentioned in your bio that like you came from a big like Irish Catholic family mm-hmm. and like I grew up in a really big like Irish Catholic community. Mm-hmm. So like with that and like also with that identity, like do you have any kind of like pushback at all from like anyone in your family? Yeah, I've. I haven't experienced it personally. Um, I have like a thing that I'm like, I shouldn't have to, I have over 30 cousins and my mom's one of eight, like, and they're all married. So it's like, I have such a big family. I'm like, I'm not going to come out to all of you. Like that's not, I don't feel like a gay person should have to come out to every single person they know. Yeah. So I actually have had like a few of my aunts and uncles like ask me, they've been like, so, are you gay? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like we just, we never knew for sure. Like yeah. whatever. And then we have like, we go on like big family vacations. I brought my boyfriend um, on our vacation to Lake Tahoe this past summer. So that was kind of nice. Cause it was like, yep, that's my boyfriend. Like I'm not having a coming out conversation with you, but like, mm. this is my boyfriend. Mm. And nice. that was really fun. They all like really liked him. And um, I've never personally gotten any like pushback from anyone. Mm. I think 
almost having a big family like helps in a way because it's like I don't give a fuck what you guys are doing like Mm -hmm. you are who you are there's 30 other kids running around with bigger problems than yeah who you're kissing so like you do you Mm. so I've never experienced it which I'm so lucky for because I obviously there are people who don't have that same type of family support system so I feel very lucky to not have to deal with any of that yeah and I think sometimes people think that when you know your family's probably going to be supportive it's easy but Mm -hmm. it's still not so I think Mm -hmm. it's important for people to know it's still not like my family's super supportive but I told everybody individually too and it was so nerve-wracking every time like I know it's going to be fine but like getting to that moment where you blurt it out Mm -hmm. is still so like anxiety filled totally it's important to like no, it's hard no matter what. And for some people, obviously, it's way harder. There's a lot more risk involved, mm-hmm. but it's always tough. I just find it so strange because it does feel like you're having this, like, big, crazy, like, talk. Like, mm-hmm. you, you have, you're coming out to someone feels like this huge, like, monumental moment when it's really not. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, it, it does feel hard every single time because then it's, I don't know, even if they did have, like, suspicion that you're gay or whatever, it is, like, this, like, solidifying moment of, like, I am, like, this is who I am, and, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it is weird, because even, like you said, if it doesn't, if you know you're not going to get any, like, horrible reaction, like, why do you feel so stressed, and I don't know why that is. So I do have a question that I thought of, a lot of what you mentioned in your story was, that nervousness about how your girlfriend was going to take it. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, are you all still friends? How did that go? Yeah, we are still friends. Um, it was strange at first because other than Dallas, she was like the next person I told. Mm-hmm. And I then felt that pressure because we had all the same like group of friends where she was like, okay, well, you have to tell everyone now because I'm not going to like sit here and like pretend that we're like together and like mm-hmm. pretend like blah, blah, blah. So... Which was good because it kind of like helped me to just be like, she was like, you know, I, she was so sweet. Like I was so upset when, like when I had to tell her and the first thing she said was like, why, like, why are you worrying about how I am going to feel about this? Aww. She's like, this is not about me. Like you, like, I'm so happy for you and like blah, blah, blah. So she's a sweet angel. And obviously it did like affect our relationship going forward. Um, cause we had to kind of like adjust from like being like, intimate and being like together Mm -hmm. to like going back to just being friends and you know it's like a weird like ground to like find Mm -hmm. I guess and you know we were young we're 21 so it's like there's drama like here and there you know with anything but we are still friends we you know grew up in the same hometown so I see her like when I go home and she has like an amazing boyfriend of like three years now or whatever and they live together so she's super happy and it's good but yeah she was a really great and just like my parents like so supportive and we're like why are you so upset about this like (laughs) don't freak out um but yeah it was it was a weird thing and I think my biggest thing like I said was I just didn't want her to think like I knew this whole time and I just wanted to like confirm it by like trying to date a girl Mm -hmm. like one last time or something Mm -hmm. because that was never it and you know I think with any like queer person you know deep down from like a young age but it's suppressed and suppressed and like you don't accept it until you do so yeah like looking back I've known for a very very long time but it was never what I guess I wanted for me so I like just kept it locked away so like 
I did have like crushes on girls and I like did think girls were like attractive and thought that that was like going to be my path. But obviously like looking back on it, it's just like, I loved her like as a friend. She was so like mm-hmm. such an amazing friend to have and who made me feel comfortable. And in my confusion, you know, I mistook that for something else. So yeah, you learn, but I just, yeah, I just, my biggest thing was I didn't want her to feel like taken advantage of. And I hope that she doesn't think that way still. <laughs> think, don't think she does, but yeah, I guess that was like the biggest problem with that. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear it went well. <laughs> Did you guys have any similar like experiences with coming out or like, dating like for the first time yeah (laughs) like yeah i mean so i identify uh, as queer and asexual so it's like weird for me because i have to explain to people all the time that i'm not sexually attracted to them and Mm -hmm. it's like what the fuck do you mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) people always offended yeah Yeah. what do you mean you're not like it's not like it's not just you it's literally everybody (laughs) like literally (laughs) so like um i was dating my ex for a while and like we would have sex and that's like whatever and there there was a time when we didn't like do anything we just like chilled and cuddled right and so he thought that i was losing interest in him and he thought that i was gonna break up with him because i wasn't saying anything he was just like googling everything he's like why is my girlfriend having sex with me why isn't she talking Aww, to me Googling? yeah Aww. i mean like i appreciate <laughs> so the cute. fact he didn't like harass me about yeah. it but like try to inform himself but he right. got like the wrong answers <laughs> so um like we were sitting in his car and we were trying to like figure it out and like he was trying to tell me like i, I sat down in the car with him and i'm just like i need to tell you something and he like this is really like big huge like heavy sigh like <sighs> i'm like i am asexual he's like what yeah and like he's like what do you mean i'm like this is what i mean this is why like we're not like having sex this is why like this is happening he's like i thought you were gonna break up with me Mm. i thought like i thought like we were gonna like stop i I looked it up and i thought i saw like women who don't have sex with their husbands usually aren't happy with them they don't love them anymore so that you didn't (laughs) love me anymore and i'm like no (laughs) i just this is this is why this is the reason why and like he was super understanding he like shared some information about himself with me and like it was a really um interesting experience because he was also like my first and only like longtime boyfriend so mm-hmm. like all of this is like brand new and it was just really really overwhelming like we were crying in the car and it was just like oh my god i love you still it's great. <laughs> so like i definitely understand where you're coming from with yeah. your story it's it's definitely like really hard especially if the other person isn't like queer mm-hmm. or doesn't have mm-hmm. like a very similar like struggle or like coming out experience but like the fact that your partner or ex-partner was so open and like understanding and like mm-hmm. was more focused on your happiness just made like the whole thing a lot easier mm-hmm. also i talked to her in a car too why is that like <laughs> <laughs> is that safe space yeah. are the best place for conversation very emotional like front to think, seat did i tell anybody in a car <laughs> probably did i think i told one of my sisters when we were in the car actually <laughs> yeah but She's i told so everybody intimate. separately and i dated just cis men for a long time mm-hmm. and then eventually it was like no i need to like come out my attraction is more fluid so i just said i'm also dating women now yeah. mm-hmm. and just kind of slid it in that i didn't use any labels uh-huh. i didn't yeah. say anything i was just like i just need to let you know i'm also dating women because i was single at the time i was always like well i'll just wait till i'm in a relationship with a woman because then i can like have more facts behind it mm-hmm. and they'll believe me and it got to a point i just like couldn't wait anymore yeah so i kind of just slid it into the conversation that way mm-hmm. And was everyone, like, understanding? 
everyone was understanding, but there were a couple people who were offended about the order in which I told them. Mm, making my, it about them. <laughs> yeah. So like my best friend was upset because she found out I kind of outed myself accidentally <laughs> at my birthday party. Oh, wow. So I took my friends to a bar that lesbian who's pretty prominent in the community was having her birthday party and i had no idea about this like it was just a bar down the street close to my house it was Mm -hmm. convenient so they're like are you taking us to a gay bar like why are there all these women here and Mm -hmm. they're all gay and i was like i don't know like i just want to come here and hang out (laughs) and i got really drunk the person whose birthday it was got really drunk and we both had birthday stuff on so we knew it was each other's birthday and Uh she came out carried by her friends and like started making out with me oh my god and then her friends like pulled her out the door and i was just like oh shit (laughs) and then everyone was looking at me and the next morning my phone was like ringing off the hook and my best friend had went home before we went to the bar so she called me she's like i can't believe you didn't tell me and everybody found out before me so she was upset yeah and then well you shouldn't have left my birthday party then i know that's what i told her i'm like you should have stayed out yeah um so she was kind of upset that I didn't feel like I could tell her sooner. Mm-hmm. And one of my sisters had a similar rea- reaction. She's like, but we talk the most. Like, why didn't you tell me? Mm-hmm. Like, why? And she was the last person I told. So she was mm-hmm. really, like, confused yeah. about that. But I think what people don't understand is those people you're closest to mm-hmm. are the ones you have the most fear of losing. Totally. Even if you think they're going to be accepting, they're the hardest ones to tell. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's somebody that you don't really care about, it's like, whatever, I'll tell you. And right. if you don't talk to me, it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But those are the biggest risk people. Yeah. It is yeah. weird. Like, the closest, the closer you are to someone, like, the bigger moment it feels like because you're like this is a big part of me and you're also a big part of me and it's like you don't know I had a friend who kind of was like why didn't you tell me sooner and for me I I liked telling people in person I didn't want to like call them same so a few of my friends like I who didn't go to the same school as me I was like I had plans to like visit them like within the next few weeks I was like I'm just gonna tell you when I see you and they're like you couldn't have called me beforehand I'm like yeah but look at this like special cute like in-person moment we're having now <laughs> and they were like no you kept it a secret and I was like it's not about you exactly <laughs> they won't make it about them yeah it's about you. <laughs> that's so funny um well I'm glad we all like are, have pretty like understanding yeah. situations <laughs> it's definitely relatable mm-hmm. yeah thank you for coming on to this podcast it's really great hearing your story and hearing your wild coming out story so um at this time you can like shamelessly plug anything you'd like to say i love shamelessly plugging things honestly (laughs) (laughs) um well i promote like uh like i said i'm a writer comedian so in chicago i always promote my shows and any like performances or things i'm doing on my instagram um you can follow me there it's at rye alk r-y-a-l-k and i post all of my stuff on there including when i host bingo so you guys will know when to come to bingo um yeah i'm working on a show that i'm hopefully gonna try to get up within the next like few months um so definitely be spamming all about that um i also do a podcast of my own it's called holly shook and it is um a storytelling-based comedic uh, podcast where we um, dissect Hollywood celebrity scandals from the past. So it's kind of like a My Favorite Murder uh, structure where we tell a different story each week. And it's really fun. It's funny. We just started it um, a couple months ago, and it's been getting a lot of really good feedback. So if you guys are interested in celebrity scandals, you can find it on um, the podcast app. Uh, Just type in Holly Shook, and uh, we do three episodes a month. So it should be a good one to follow other than that yeah i don't know follow me on instagram and you'll like, see everything that i <laughs> do because i'm so annoying about posting on there um 
to make sure people come. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you yeah. so much for sharing everything with us. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah, this was really fun. And I'm super excited to listen to all the other um, episodes and see what other people have to say. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Queer Stories. Also check out the creator of our podcast music, B. Steadwell. She's an incredible queer artist from D.C. and you can check out her music at bsteadwell.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, don't forget to rate us so others will be able to find our podcast. Talk, Talk to you all, all next week. week. Next time on Beyond Queer Stories. And some of my friends would tell me like, no, Alex, you're black because <laughs> you're Egyptian, North African. And I'm just like, that was like, no way. That's crazy. And several like that happens like all the time, kind of now, especially with Chicago votes. I'm probably like the second lightest person that works at Chicago votes. And so that's just such a weird thing for me because I'm like, definitely don't identify as black because I'm so light skinned, white passing kind of thing. Uh,